Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of our Rambles in the Jungle. Uh, and I know you are delighted that I am beginning this episode rather than Arun. Oh, but <laughs> sure. <laughs> we are continuing with the same format of of uh, of the the book format, where one person has read the book and the other has gone through the summary. Mm. And this was particularly interesting because this was completely left field. The book that Arvind picked, which is very interesting, and and after going through the summary, I I, I am. Uh, very urged to to read the entire book, and I do urge all the uh, listeners to as well. Uh, the book in question is A Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. I think it was written over a century ago. It is mm. still relevant today, uh, especially in the times uh, we live in and when we are excited, as Arvind especially, uh, to go through this book. So Arvind, do you want to take us through uh, the book? At least tell us a little, little, little something about the book, because I know we have a lot to get into. Uh, yeah, yeah, and something about the author as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, but before we begin, just want to say this week you are the loser who hasn't read the book. <laughs> uh, last week, I, I, was... I wouldn't say I am the loser. <laughs> you I'm are. I, would, I I stand again here because I am going to firsthand listen to someone who's read it. Oh, nice uh, plug-in uh, <laughs> for the podcast. All right, uh, great. So. This is a great book, uh, obviously, and uh, it is. It was quite instrumental in in sort of shaping my current worldview and shifting from what I held before. Uh, and uh, and you know there are those certain there are those certain books that sort of change, uh, that has the power to change the way you think, uh, or at least you know uh, sow that seed of uh, doubt or questioning in your head. And in fact, there's this one line from the book, which, which is suitable for this. It's that, you know, words can be like x-rays. If you use them properly, they'll go through anything. Uh, you read and then you're pierced. Uh, that's exactly what happened to me, at least when I read this book uh, uh, quite some time ago, and I had to reread it for the episode. Um, so yeah, this book, it's, uh, it's often compared with uh, Orwell's, uh, George Orwell's uh, 1984. Uh, because both mm-hmm. uh, describe a futuristic world where you know things are happening, and and both are sort of a dull uh, prediction of the future. But in, I mean, I've also read George Orwell's 1984, and I think you have also read it, right? Uh, so in 1984, what basically happens? It's it's a very dark future where you know there's the big uh, big brother. Uh, who's controlling everything? Uh, who has who's watching over everything? So those kind of things, and uh, it's it's a it's outrightly uh, it it's totalitarian in in the way they describe that world. But here, Huxley's uh, Brave New World is uh, I, I personally think it is more reflective of today's ills of our society than Orwell's uh, 1984. So I say that because. So Brave New World uh, features a society where everyone uh, and uh, everyone can and is sort of encouraged to, to, you know, numb themselves. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, What I mean by that is, you know, there is, they they don't have to feel anything, uh, anything real, at least. 
Yeah. So it's a futuristic setting, same with the flying cars, fast bullet trains, all the, all the, all the, what do you say? The, the Jetsons. Yeah, the Jetsons and the boil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the boilerplate for all the futuristic uh, world described by all the science fiction. It's all there, uh, flying cars and all those things. So it and seems that, to me like while 1984 was sort of dystopian, this seems sort of utopian. Uh, <laughs> well, that can be made as an argument, but I think it is dystopian from... It depends on the person, right? I definitely felt right. it was a dystopian uh, setting uh, because uh, we'll describe it later on as well. It's because, you know, uh, although all these things exist, there are no diseases uh, uh, and there is nothing, you know, plaguing you uh, or there is, you know, all these advancement in technology and transportation and food and whatnot. Yeah. But there is still what is lacking, you know, the, the, the emotions, the human connection. If you think that is a utopia, then yeah, it's definitely a utopia for you. But for me, I don't think that counts as a utopia for me, right? You know, where you might have all these technological advancements, you don't have the essential human connection. And uh, for me, that can be seen as a dystopia. So mm. yeah, in setting up that world, uh, all those things exist. And one interesting, there are many interesting things about this world. So, okay, so let me just set up the world for the viewer, for the listeners, uh, so that they uh, understand uh, the context of the story, right? So humans are not born. Humans are created in this world. So they're created okay. in labs, all right? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an assembly line where, uh, where you know, instead of cars, uh, they create babies. It's assembly line of babies. And uh, they're created in, in test tubes, all right, uh, with the uh, embryo and eggs. Uh, this is created in babies. And another interesting thing is that not all humans are created equal, all right? Uh, they are created, you know, specifically in different castes. Uh, they call it castes, okay? But it's not the caste system uh, how it is in India, for example. Uh, but here it is, it is deliberately created that way so that, you know, there so is... is the, are yeah. these castes based on working groups or skin colors or religion or what? I'll tell you what, it's, it's not definitely not religion. Uh, there is no religion in this world. Uh, I mean, there okay. is a religion, but the religion is industrialization. Uh, but uh, okay. yeah, they're, they're created mainly based on their working uh, thing. Uh, working. Does this religion have a God? Or it definitely does. Yeah, yeah. That's, a... that's, that's another feature. We'll, uh, I'll get to that. But before that, I want to right. expand on the caste thing. It's... Uh, yes, please. Yeah, it's uh, definitely created on the working ability. Uh, and uh, so there are, they're divided into alphas, betas, gamma, uh, and uh, delta, epsilon, all those things. And obviously alpha being the, uh, uh, the top rung of the society. And even in alpha, there are different uh, categorization, like alpha plus, alpha, alpha double plus, alpha minus. Yeah. So basically alphas are the ones who sort of do the thinking job. Yeah. Uh, betas are the ones who sort of do one, uh, like the jobs are one lower than the alphas. Uh, and same with epsilons, uh, deltas, betas, it, it goes on, yeah? So deltas and epsilons uh, being the lowest sort of, uh, uh, lowest rung of the society, they do all the uh, mechanical sort of the industrial sort of work. They are the ones in the assembly line. They are the ones cleaning out things. Uh, they are the ones being the butlers or waiters at restaurants. So those kind of things, yeah. So they are that. Uh, another interesting thing is that you might you might you might think you know 
okay when the story progresses maybe all these deltas or epsilons uh, arise and you know get are awakened and co- uh, form some sort of a uh, create some sort of a revolution or something it's not the case because not these uh, the place where these humans are created the labs they're called hatcheries all right they're not just created there but they're also conditioned this is the key word and the key thing across the book yeah these humans are not just created they're also conditioned so alphas are conditioned to think in a certain way betas are considered to uh, conditioned to think in a certain way and so are deltas and epsilons so they don't necessarily realize that they're missing out something like for example deltas mm. if they're doing all this cleaning work or whatever they don't feel like they're missing on something missing out something because that's the way they are conditioned yeah So, that so is how what, would a delta be conditioned at a young age to avoid rebelling at an older age? Yeah. Uh, so delta. Okay. Uh, this is how uh, a beta is, for example, conditioned. You know, uh, right. this is directly a quote from the book. Uh, uh, so the way they're conditioned is they have these uh, sleep teaching. Uh, so when they are sleeping, uh, as even from infants till they are twenty years old. Uh, whenever they're sleeping they they play these things under their pillow like all these recordings of things and one of the recordings for del uh, betas are uh, i quote don't play with delta children and epsilons are too stupid to be able to read or write besides they wear black which is such a beastly color i'm so glad i'm a beta so this kind of conditioning and it's repeated over thousands that your reading voice No, this is how it's. Uh, this is my conditioning greeting voice. Oh, <laughs> okay. I would condition someone. This is how I would condition them. Like you know, the slow, gentle sleep, uh, hypno hypnopedic kind of thing. Yeah. So this is how they are conditioned, and in in their sleeps. So and there are a lot of condition conditioning uh, teachings like this. You know, there is uh, everybody. Everyone belongs to everyone else. Ending is better than mending. Progress is lovely. when the individual feels the community reels so there's so many of these uh, conditioning that they that they go through uh, throughout their uh, adolescent uh, sorry childhood adolescent and even till till they till they're the age of 20 so by the by the by the time that they reach 20 years old all these things are conditioned so all their decisions are are uh, based on these conditioning and the director of the hatcheries uh sort of uh, has this quote which is you know he sees he says this rather too proudly he says the child's mind is the suggestions and the sum of the some of the suggestions is the child's mind not the child's mind only but the adults too all his life long the mind that judges desires and decides made up of all made of made up of these suggestions but all these suggestions are our suggestions So that sounds like a director's voice. <laughs> yeah. So that is how uh, the this world is uh, defined. Yeah. So that is one feature where they're all conditioned. Uh, the other thing is there isn't uh, like world. What do you say? There isn't one leader or one big brother like in George Orwell's 1984. But there, there is sort of like a father figure or a founding figure, right? and and while reading the summary of the book i i think it came across that as um the uh, the the father so to speak of industrialization uh, henry ford 
So I just wanted to ask about why would they pick someone like that and not maybe um, the leader of, of a political leader who started this? Because this usually seems like something that would be started at a political level, at a socioeconomic level in the form of a political ideology, like either communism or socialism or something which is very uh, trapped in terms of its uh, the, the freedoms that they offer to people and not sort of seen as a capitalistic domain where the father of an industrialization sort of setting would give this. So question is why, why Henry Ford is the founding figure? Yes, uh, so there are, uh, in terms of leaders, there are leaders, uh, but they are called controllers, world okay. controllers. And there are 10 of them and each for some region, like there's for European region, for the uh, Asian region, so that, that kind of regions and their controllers, there are 10 of them. Uh, and uh, as to the question of why Ford is worshipped, because this, as I mentioned earlier, is a society that is, uh, that is based on industrialization. And who is the father of industrialization? It's uh, Henry Ford, right? He, when he created uh, Ford, he, he started manufacturing things, uh, cars, pretty quickly on the assembly line. And he was sort of the inventor, like he's sort of the proponent uh, of the uh, the assembly line, right? So this world is very industrialized, industrialized in terms of everything, not just cars or, or, or you know, food. It's industrialized even in terms of emotions, uh, in terms of creating humans, right? Uh, like, like I said, babies are created on an assembly line. Uh, and, and even the word, mother, father, born, these are sort of conditioned to them, you know, they first of all, they don't know what it means. And uh, for the people who do know that, like alphas, they, they are sort of, they get nauseous whenever they listen to that uh, word, mother, father, the thing is blasphemous. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a world that is, that is sort of based on consumption. Uh, and that is the, that is the key of capital uh, capitalism or uh, uh, industrialization, right? Consumption is uh, is what drives these kind of societies. Uh, so that's why Henry Ford is sort of seen as the father. Uh, sorry, is seen as the god in that uh, in that. Uh, so, question society. on the family unit there. Yes. You, you mentioned that mother and father and these words are uh, mm. blasphemous. Yes. So, how does one after being uh, manufactured a baby being manufactured hmm. how is he or she brought up you are you brought up with other alphas um, are you part of a family unit how does so, that yeah <laughs> so there is no family unit yeah and uh, okay here's a question for you if you were one of the leaders of the world uh, in mm -hmm. this world and your prime main goal is you know is to is to ensure that people are consuming and people are, you know, always, people don't think for themselves. Yeah. Mm. What would, how would you design this world? Yeah. I would put a gun to their head at every point. Uh, so you might mean that you put a literal gun at them, right? Right. Yeah. But in this world, there is a gun, but it's not a literal gun to their heads. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they've designed this world in such a way that they are they aren't allowed to think for themselves and they're they're and not even for a moment they can be alone by themselves yeah so the family structure how it works is first of all there is no family so as soon as they're uh, manufactured uh, as soon as they're infants like you know they are put in 
put in along with the other people of their caste. And it's not like it's a community where there's a leader, uh, elders and all those things. It's all in that factory, uh, hatchery, yeah? All these uh, alphas, like 60,000 alphas or whatever the number is, they all grow up in, in that room or in that, in that building, you know? Uh, like one, one floor is for uh, conditioning on uh, food, uh, the floor is conditioning on clothes, uh, conditioning on thinking, all those things. So there are different floors for different things. So they're all, it's sort of a cattle, you know? They're raised as a herd, mm. yeah? Uh, so that's how it, it, that's how they're done. And uh, as when there are adults, there is no family. There is no mother, father. There is no brother, sister. It's all people and friends around you. Not, not even friends. There's just people around you. And uh, as you mentioned, this is a society that is extremely promiscuous. And this promiscuity is not, uh, is not like a bug in this uh, system, but it is a feature of the system. Yeah. And how young does it start? It starts very young, and uh, there is there are these talks that uh, when in those conditioning sleep teaching uh, sessions, there are also talks of these you know uh, enabling promiscuity uh, at uh, at the age of seven or uh, eight. Wow. You know, so because see they are designing a world where people are never alone. You know, they're always with someone. Uh, they aren't allowed to feel anything, and even when the even there's uh, even at the moment when they actually feel something human like anger or hate or disgust, there is this something called a soma in the world. So what is the mm. soma? Soma is a literal drug. All right, it's a literal literal drug, uh, and everybody is issued that, and every single day. So the society, the world controllers are giving these soma. So what does this soma do? it sort of takes you out from that moment, wherever you, whatever you're thinking, like if you're angry, if you take Soma, you're out of that moment. And you're, you're all blissful, happy, and you know, you're looking at the world. It's basically, uh, what it's like weed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's like weed. Uh, I think even more powerful, and uh, it has lasting uh, effects, right? So that is what uh, Soma is. And it is, it is issued to every single person. In, in in the society. Oh, age no bar. Age no bar. And they're also conditioned to think about Soma uh, in in different way. Like, you know, uh, uh, there are also, uh, like, you know, Soma makes you feel good. All those, it's, it all rhymes. I, I've, I had- Oh, there's care. a marketing campaign around this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, not exactly marketing campaign. The It's a conditioning campaign uh, uh, okay. <laughs> around Soma. That's and, better, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of uh, described as narcotic, euphoric, and pleasantly hallucinant. Yeah, and there are these different times that they uh, different ways that different people describe uh, soma in this book. Different characters. Uh, some say, you know, uh, soma is Christianity but without the tears. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and Christianity and alcohol uh, but without the negative effects. Uh, but there are negative effects. But it's just that they don't. They don't see that. And, you know, when we think about that, uh, think about Soma in context with our present world, I think we can mm. best relate it to, yeah, obviously we can uh, directly relate it to alcohol and drugs, but even more uh, subtly, I think it's it's the drug of cheap cons- consumption, uh, cheap consumption, like endless television shows, one dumber than the previous one, uh, the fast food, the games, social pornography, media, pornography, yes. Everything that is keeping us sort of content and happy, and I say that in quotes, uh, and away from thinking deeply, away from questioning things, uh, away from, you know, thinking. Working hard. Yes. 
and it's just keeping us how do you say existing alive yeah uh, but is this happiness uh, that is derived from it is it real that's the question i think we need to ask ourselves uh, and these are the questions that the people in in the brave world society they don't ask themselves because they aren't conditioned to think that you know everything that's happening so at any time anyone enters a situation of doubt hmm. they consume uh, soma, soma or they need yes. to consume soma they 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 are not made to like i said it's their condition to do that so even when they okay. feel something different they just consume so and they forget all about it and then when they wake up life moves goes on similarly so there is no meaning in the world uh I, at least the way that we might define meaning there's no meaning in that world uh, but then again i think it begs the question as to what constitutes as meaning right uh, because as a reader like i personally feel that there is no meaning in the world maybe another reader might not feel the same way so i think meaning has to be defined uh, i know it's a hard question but what do you think meaning constitutes for you i think meaning is more on an individual basis uh, when a community de- tries to derive meaning collectively then anyone who deviates from that meaning would have to be shot or basically got rid of the program right mm-hmm. so that was the case in so to speak utopian societies that tried and failed whether you're looking at micro cults or whether you're looking at macro socioeconomic situations like nazi germany or the soviet union um and this is very similar to that where you have an objective that is collectively derived where in this case we want to cons- we want to continue industrialization through micro consumerism mm-hmm. and anyone who deviates from that is issued a, or is is conditioned to consume a mind numbing drug so that their individual goals or individual meaningful pursuits realign with collective meaningful pursuits so to answer your question i think that you need to have a certain amount of freedom in society which is to an extent there in our to a significant extent compared to the book certainly and compared to say 100 years ago uh, is there in modern society uh, where if i have the meaningful pursuit of doing x uh, i should be allowed to do that even if it does not align with the collective objective because the collective objective does not overlap with mine Yeah. Uh, and 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 very rarely do you have that uh, certain societies in our in our world like you know the dystopian hermit kingdom of say north korea or cuba or something like that mm. would have a very clear sort of ring fence objective mm. which is not there in say uh india or or the us the uk australia countries like that but i'd love to know yours uh, your thoughts as well on what meaning was there in that world in the world that aldous huxley de- described hmm. and what and can you sort of juxtapose it with a meaning that is or isn't there in the current world yes so uh, just going back to the things that you said uh, and uh, it's absolutely right what you said and that is just one of the reasons why i like i said earlier uh, brave new world is more reflective of our current society than orwell's 1984 because you know or will like in the in the brave new world they it isn't 
uh, outright totalitarianism, right? It's it's slow conditioning and uh, slow conditioning towards the towards consumption and all those things. And uh, where and even if you take the modern society, like the prescient of uh, of the preve- uh, prevalence of uh, like marijuana, all those cheap consumption drugs that we mentioned. Uh, it sort of to escape discomfort, right? And Orwell, he makes no mention of that in 1984. Uh, and uh, even in, in, in uh, Brave New World, it features a society that uh, worships hedonism, uh, worships pornography over art. Um, feelies, there is something called as feelies in, in, in the book. So what they essentially are, uh, I mean, if I were to uh, contextualize it for a modern world, feelies reflect the... Uh, trash TV shows on Netflix and uh, people reading crappy books rather than uh, classic literature, you know. Uh, and uh, it's it sort of ignores all the damage that is done to the psyche. And that is what feelies are. So there aren't any art there. So when people are, uh, they, aren't, they aren't bored essentially. They're just going from one thing to the other. And feelies are just like movies, but with all those uh, uh, trashy things. In terms of talking about uh, meaning, like you asked, uh, meaning, I think, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, before we talk about the meaning part, uh, I just want to bring in a, a crucial point in the story. So what happens is like, there is this world, right? Uh, the whole futuristic world, but there is also this uh, smaller, smaller part of that world, which is, which is called the reservations in, in, in the book. So what this essentially is, it's an older world. It's uh, sorry, uh, an older world uh, where you know it's still primitive. Uh, primitive in the sense, you know, you can think about the Indians, uh, not not us Indians, the Indians that were that were there in the native Indians of uh, America, for example. Yeah. So they they still exist there, and they are sort of untouched by this modern world. And and this modern world has made sure that they build a whole boundary around that reservation with all these uh, electrify, electrocuting uh, wires and all those things, uh, just so they don't get out. But these people, they can uh, go in. So they think of it as a zoo. So when during a holiday, they just go in there for a couple of days. Uh, they look at it. They, they're mostly disgusted by it, and they come back. Uh, so... That so is, what is this reservation of the zoo that is so different to their society and it's so similar to maybe our society? Well, there is, uh, well, there, there is religion. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. There's religion, there's rituals, there, 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 there are diseases over there and uh, there, there are people existing primitively. Not, not early man kind of primitive, but uh, primitive in the where, where society. Uh, where they are still hunting for food uh, and uh, there's obviously fire and all those things. Uh, but yeah, the, this society, they, although they might not have all the advancement of this modern world, like technology, transportation, whatnot, but they do have, which is missing in the world, that is uh, the real human emotions. Yeah, there, there, There's mm. the pain of losing your parents. There is a pain of giving. Uh, there is a pain and joy of giving birth uh, to your to your to, to your child. And there is the 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 joy of having a community and interacting with them. There is also the the mixed emotions of anger and then reconcile uh, reconciliation with your enemies or your friends. It, it, that exists. So I'm not really sure if you would 
if people would think that if that's a good thing, you know, because there's still diseases, diseases aren't eradicated. Uh, but like I said, human connection is the thing that sort of drives us forward, right? Without that, we are we are, we are nothing. We are just people existing. Uh, so that is what uh, that's there in that world. So what happens in the story basically is this: uh, the, this couple goes there for uh, to that reservation. You should a add spoil, spoiler alert if if yeah, spoiler alert. But I don't want to add. read it. This book has existed over a century, so if you haven't read it, it's not my fault. Uh, uh, so yeah, this. Hey, go ahead. Yeah, the couple goes there for a uh, for a day or two, and uh, they're so enchanted by the whole thing. Uh, enchanted as well as disgusted by the whole thing and the one thing that happens for them is that they lose their soma <laughs> they lose their bottle of soma they don't lose it they just forgot they, they forget to get it from the flight all right and it's they they for the entire two days they are without soma so that's another thing that we notice you know they're just so restless there's nothing for them to they they have, they have to feel these things the disgust the hatred uh, towards these uh, the reservation people and they have nothing to comfort them uh, and and for the first time these two characters experience that experience those true emotions and uh, obviously unsurprisingly they they sort of hate that feeling because they have always been conditioned to not feel that right so then basically mm. what happens is that uh, when they come back uh, they bring this one uh, savage uh, reservation person uh, his name is john uh, but everybody in the modern world just call him the savage. They call him John the Savage. Yeah. Uh, so they bring him back uh, <laughs> along with him uh, for scientific experiments, uh, just to see how he's going to cope. Like at least that's the reason the the, the couple gave to the controller, so that uh, they uh, they see this. So uh, they, they they can bring him back to the world. So the reason they want to bring him back to the world is because uh, to the modern world is because uh, that 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 character, John the Savage, he's actually uh, a child, uh, actually an unwanted child of this, uh, of two, of a couple from uh, the modern world. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. So he wasn't manufactured. He wasn't manufactured, but he was created by the manufactured uh, world, manufactured adults. So basically they go, uh, 30 years ago or something, they go into that reservation, similarly for a holiday. But what happens is the guy comes back, the man comes back, but the woman, she sort of, uh, she's just uh, misplaced there or she loses her way there. And uh, he, this guy, he waited for a while, but then she didn't come back, so he just left. So she was left in the reservation and uh, and uh, during their copulation, I think uh, something went wrong, and she uh, she had a baby, and uh, like a word. Copulation. That's a good word. Yeah, that's how it was described. Yeah. Uh, so, and she has the baby in in the reservation. All right. In in like a very natural way. In a very natural way, but again, remember, she is. Uh, member of the modern world she has no idea about birth and she she has idea of it but she's disgusted by it because she's conditioned to think that giving birth mother father all those things it's disgusting right so she's surprised with the size of her belly she's like what's happening to me she is and everything no she knows that because there are these drills uh, that are sort of uh, contraception drills that are again conditioned into their heads so even in the even in the wildest of days they don't forget to do that con uh, contraception 
drills. But here, again, something might have gone wrong. Uh, so that's why she knows that there is a baby in her belly and all those things, obviously. Uh, but she's just not used to that whole feeling. Okay, but yeah, the the guy, the baby is born and he's his name is John and he's the one who's uh, coming back. So basically, they want to bring him back to so that they can meet his father uh, in in this modern world, uh, who's the head of the uh, hatcheries, the manufacturing unit. Yeah, so the, that's why. So another great thing that you'll see because of this uh, storyline is that how this modern world person, uh, the mother, her name is Linda, how she sort of reacts to this whole uh, having a child and the motherhood. It's very beautiful to see because, you know, she doesn't let the child even call him, uh, call her a mother. She she says, you, can, you call me Linda, you never call me mother uh, because I'm not your mother. Uh, and it keeps on repeating, but when she, there are these bursts of that where she's extremely angry at the baby, but then she's also, there are these moments when she just embraces her, embraces him uh, and just cries and, you know, plays with him. So it's, she's, she's having that, there's a dichotomy in her mind, in her own mind, because she's going against her conditioning, but she doesn't know how to sort of feel those things, right? And it's, it's I think when you bring it to the modern world, there are those things, right? Uh, uh, maybe not as extreme as that, but when you are conditioned in a way and you're trying to think about it another way, and there's just all of these, what do you say, external factors that are stopping you from it. Uh, first thing is the society itself. Uh, you know, you're you're going against what you're being uh, against the conditioning. Uh, the society has to sort of deal against that. And you, uh, am I making sense in what I'm saying? When you see that, you know, the people are, if, whenever a person tries to think differently, they are not allowed to do that, right? Uh, allowed yeah, there to are systems that. in place that yeah. prevent you from trying to deviate from the pre-existing norms. Yes. And, but if you do that, you might create a better system. But, you know, people are obviously averse to disruption. Yes. And I think that that's, that's a similar thing. I mean, I haven't read the book, obviously, but I think that it's a similar theme that is playing out in much more granular detail in the book. Yes, exactly. And even when the moment, uh, when the moment that Linda dies, uh, she, so even she is brought back to the modern world. Uh, but uh, like I said, there is no uh, aging in this modern world. Right? Everybody's mm. still uh, hot and young. Uh, at least the alphas, oh. yeah. At least the alphas, uh, the betas. They, so they're all designed like uh, gamma, deltas. That's so they're even their bodies. They're designed in sort of a dysmorphic way, uh, so that they know. And they all live in different, like just like a caste system. And they all diff live in different uh, areas of the world. Uh, so this Linda was an alpha. Uh, so when she's brought back, she's obviously not young, right? She has aged in the reservation and she's all fat and flabby. And uh, so if they reach a certain age, are they euthanized? Or, uh, then they're they not euthanized. Uh, well, surprisingly, we don't talk about how they die, but there are these uh, chambers for death. Uh, you know, okay. there's this, uh, I forgot the exact name, but there's a tower for death where they're just taken there and they are burnt. Uh, all right, and they use that gas for to for something else. <laughs> okay. 
yeah so it's all around consumption man nothing goes to waste uh, fuel of life <laughs> yeah and 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 uh, one of the characters brings that out you know uh, at the end when we all burn when they're all burnt alphas are no different than the betas alpha uh, betas are no different than the gammas and the other person has no reply to that he's like don't be stupid uh, and uh, take some soma yeah take some exactly that's exactly what happens <laughs> uh, yeah 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 uh, so yeah both of them are brought back to this world uh, to meet and again that's another beautiful thing to watch you know how these this modern world reacts to them they think of them as beasts and all those things and the moment when linda is dying she's she dies in the modern world uh, she's taken to that uh, that death tower uh, obviously there are there is no family comes there to visit you because there are no families but here when she's dying there's john right his his son uh, sorry her son uh, so he goes there as soon as he hears that her, uh, his mother is dying uh, so first of all they have no idea of visitors because nobody ever visits the dying people there uh when he goes he creates a whole sort of ruckus over there uh and saying that like you know how you might see in the modern world like i mean in our world uh that you know get the doctor she's dying she's dying <laughs> but he does that but because that's the natural instinct that he had to save his mother the one who created and he's not conditioned otherwise yes exactly he's not conditioned otherwise but he's doing that in the modern world unfortunately right and uh there is and the modern world they're reacting reacting to him very differently they're saying yes he's meant to die it's fine everybody dies so they repeat the condi- condition that everybody dies and everybody are born again uh, or you know created again uh, so those kind of things right and that was a beautiful moment where you know he is the one who's uh, he is also displaying that human emotion and she previously a member of the modern world she is also displaying that human emotion uh so that was a beautiful moment and uh, so towards the end uh the the crucial chapters of the book i think is chapter 16 and 17 uh where it's just a it's just a conversation between the between the uh, the savage john the savage and the world controller of uh, europe uh his name is mustafa mond and uh, oh, they have like this, a bond villain yeah <laughs> so they just have a conversation all right and the conversation is exactly what you were going to i i, I know i took a long uh, journey to to answer your question uh, but yeah they talk about meaning you know john here is saying that the modern world it might have all these things but it has no meaning and uh, mustafa mon agrees he agrees and yet he says you know uh, he says he acknowledges acknowledges that by saying uh, i quote uh, actual happiness always looks pretty squalid in comparison with the overcompensations for misery and of course stability isn't nearly so spectacular as instability and being contented has none of the glamour of a good fight against misfortune none of the picturesqueness of a struggle with temptation or a fatal overthrow by passion or doubt happiness is never grand he agrees to that and yet he keeps saying that but it is required for the stability of that world you know and and he says that you know if if people start to look at old things and uh, sort of look at the old things as beautiful and and classic then they will never buy new things and he says mm-hmm. and and people need to keep buying new things uh for them to for the society to keep society to keep functioning over and over just smoothly and that's why he says all these old books uh 
like uh, Shakespeare books. So John the Savage, he had, he had found an old Shakespeare book in, in the reservation. And that's the only book that was there. So he's read all the works of Shakespeare, right? Uh, and uh, and here, the nobody has read the works of Shakespeare and nobody knows about Shakespeare, but the controller knows about him because he's the one who creates the rules. So he knows uh, that there's a Shakespeare. And he's also read the works of Shakespeare. And uh, uh, John, he keeps saying, you know, uh, like Shakespeare, why don't people read Shakespeare instead of watch those uh, stupid feelies? And he keeps saying the same thing. Uh, Mustafa Mon keeps saying the same thing because I know the Shakespeare is much more beautiful than this, but that is old. Same with the Bible. He says that is old. If they read that, they will want to, you know, look at old things as beautiful and more relevant. And that is the opposite of what we want. And that is the opposite of keeping the society stable. So he keeps coming back to the point of stability of the society and the things that you have to do to keep a society stable. But the, the argument that John keeps coming up with is basically, is that stable, is stability worth it? You know, there might be no diseases, there is no war, uh, but is it worth it? What are your thoughts on that? Do you think such a world, uh, such a world where there's stability, is that worth it? Do, when it means, you know, just overconsumption and numbness of feelings uh, and just being drones. I think instability is its own benefit uh, because in instability you have a reach mm -hmm. uh, because whenever you're in a situation which is unstable, you always want to stabilize it by progressing forward rather than degressing backward. Um, and I think that's important in worlds that are so rigid and robust where so that this is the system and we have to follow it because this is how we maintain stability. There are more things that can destabilize you. Uh, so you have to control for everything, which is, which is only possible if you are an authoritarian or if you live in an authoritarian such situation, which this world I think describes. Um, but uh, if you want to have another world where you you are constantly achieving just a marginal stability, mm. then you have to control for far less things and mm. you can allow people to be, uh, to a certain extent, free. Mm. Um, and, and that creates a lot of growth. And, and, yes. and that's, that's to an extent there in the world that we live in and to a significant extent absent actually to 100% degrees absent in the, in the world that Huxley describes. Yes. And even uh, sort of uh, going back to the meaning question, uh, think about all the times uh, when, you know, we both, uh, when you both used to run all those long distances and cycle or swim those long distances. Uh, think about all the times when people asked us why, like, why are you killing yourself? Why are you doing this? And, uh, we always thought that, you know, they don't understand it because uh, I don't know. I, I just felt that way. I'm not sure about you, but I just felt like they won't understand because what I essentially felt was that, you know, the, the joy that you get out of doing these hard things, doing the uncomfortable things, bearing that with patience, uh, you know, that is more beautiful. And, and, and this whole goal of, you know, the modern world, even in our world, the whole goal of, uh, pursuit of happiness i think it's wrong it should be the happiness of pursuit that is the thing that is important that is the thing that gives us meaning uh, right don't you agree to that point of the happiness of pursuit rather than the pursuit of happiness 
I think that 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 also needs to be a pursuit of independent meaning, and it it, it should be separate from yours, separate from mine. Um, and if that gives you happiness, great. Right, and, and you will only pursue anything that is meaningful if it gives you some sort of benefit. Nobody's going to pursue anything, yes, uh, without any sort of benefit. So that benefit can be making them happy, making them healthy, making them uh, wealthy, anything, right? So uh, and collectively, it'll get you better than where you started. And if you can prolong that as much as possible. Yes, and also reach a point where you have, you know, it's measurable. Meaning that if I have passed the hurdle, I have achieved it. Hmm. That doesn't mean I should stop. I mean, I should set another goal, and that's 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 how we should take it forward from there. Yes. So basically, not living in comfort, at least for long periods of time, right? Uh, and uh, I, I think that's how. this conversation between the two of them uh, john and mustafa mond ends you know uh, john he's uh, sorry mustafa mond says that you know we prefer to do things comfortably uh, but uh, john he says you know very adamantly but i don't want comfort i want god i want poetry i want real danger i want freedom i want goodness i want sin and to that mustafa mond in fact you are claiming the right to be unhappy uh, and again uh, john replies all right then i'm claiming the right to be unhappy mustafa mon says not to mention the right to grow old and ugly and impotent the right to have syphilis and cancer the right to have too little to eat the right to be lousy the right to live in constant apprehension of what may happen tomorrow the right to catch typhoid the right to be tortured by unspeakable pains of every kind there is a long silence i claim them all said the savage at last so that's how that particular chapter ends and the, their conversation and saying you know he is willing to claim them all all those uncomfortable things uh, if it means you know he can he can pursue beauty or he can pursue god or he can pursue those things uh, pursue whatever he wants without anyone holding a gun to his head yes so that's that's i think a very good Way uh, those two chapters, you know, even if you uh, uh, you are crazy, I know you have read the summary, but if you can ever get a hang a hand over that book, you know, those two chapters are really good. The way they they conversation definitely, happens. yeah. And 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 after listening to you, I think both myself and the listeners would definitely be intending on you know going to Amazon right now and and purchasing the book. Yes, and uh, obviously, and that's so, a form of consumerism, but it's fine. It's 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 helping you. It's a classic. You're diving deep into uh, utopian, dystopian world, which is wonderful. Yeah, uh, and that's. I mean, definitely go read the book. It's uh, amazing. Uh, and in terms of what we should do as as people in this world, in our world, what we should do is actually. what i think is we need to first sort of identify the conditioning identify our own conditioning right and that is something very hard to do i agree uh, i'm not saying that i've done it myself but i've done it to a certain extent and that is absolutely required you know uh, <laughs> the latest new york times headline uh, one of the latest new york times article i don't know if you know about this akash was you know uh, don't do critical thinking 
was the was the title of that article and it wasn't like a clickbait or anything he literally meant don't critical don't don't be a critical thinker uh, because that might harm the the stability of the society right and that is that is see that is what we are up against and it's highly you know effective and it's really the thing that you you should do is you know you should sort of identify your own conditioning and uh, i think it, i can go back to the story uh, to, to which i've said multiple times uh, to you akash and to all the people that we want we work with uh, the story uh, about that fish about those fishes in the water uh, you know they are swimming there are these two young fish uh, swimming along in the water uh, one day and the older fish happens to pass them by and the older fish says morning boys how's the water and uh, the two fish swim along for a while and uh, the one fish looks over to the other and asks what the hell is water right so that basically means that we don't know the things that are conditioning us the things that are around us uh, i think it would we are still working on our default setting our default conditioning once we identify that we have been conditioned through culture media family all those things it's up to you to decide you know if that is the right thing for you or if that's making you uh comfortable or uncomfortable what it is and identifying that is very important thoughts on that akash i think that's a good three things that you've sort of given here a uh, life lesson a <laughs> uh, sign of caution and a wonderful book recommendation yeah so uh i think there's a lot of of gems in this conversation and yes. uh yeah i mean we didn't uh, like we didn't go into the story of it because it was not required of how the book uh you know the how theme the theme was important yes. and that came through yes that's definitely you know even i don't think the author uh, sort of went through the like he used the story as a wheel uh, as a, as an engine for conveying the message right and that's what that's another thing you know uh, i feel that uh, <laughs> uh non fiction uh, sorry fiction sometimes offers uh, not sometimes always offers more than non fiction as a person i don't know i think it might be against that uh, akash but uh, that's what i think you know because they're distilling all the lessons for us uh, from the interactions and the experience of these different characters and that is more a uh, effective way of learning things than because th- we are we are seeing the experience of somebody rather than somebody telling us directly like do this do this do this right yeah i think stories and narratives uh, are better at conveying messaging than messaging itself i would rather hear a story of a person who has gone through something that i'm interested in rather than uh focusing on what the exact fundamentals of that journey is and and that 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 is a way that fiction can uh, very easily thread it through in a book in a podcast in whatever medium medium of communication and it certainly done really well in this particular book hmm yes so that's it from this episode and we will carry on the same theme in the coming episodes as well uh we will link the we will put a link to the the book so that you can get your hands on it as well and or if you if you can get it at your local bookstore uh, all the better 
And uh, anything else you would like to add, Arvind? No, nothing much. Just uh, identify your water, uh, referring back to the fish story, and that will do you a whole good. So, yes, that's it from us. Uh, keep rambling, and we will see you next week. Take care. <laughs>